When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Do, 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 do. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Andy, your mom and I were looking at a house, mm-hmm. <laughs> Minneapolis house, built in 1908. It's um, 6,100 square feet. It's got a 1,700 square foot carriage house. Wow. Uh, it's a beautiful old uh, brick Tudor home. Looks like it's in phenomenal shape. Can't tell exactly where it is, but it looks like it's kind of close to downtown. Or maybe not. I can't really tell. Uh, yeah, so grand total of uh, about 9,000 square feet, 
uh, let's say eight thousand square feet. Uh, it's on the market for nine fifty. Jeez, that house a few years ago had to have been worth over a few million. Yeah, I would real. guess that's extremely cheap for that. That's crazy. People are not buying those big houses anymore. Nope. And that's just all there is to it. We got. <clears throat> they're just not buying them. John Tesh on the phone. John Tesh will probably know because he's relentless. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Mr. Tesh, how are you? I'm fine. I say go ahead, buy it. Buy it now. Buy it. I, you know, John, I, it's okay if I call you John? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, it is pretty amazing. This is an 8,000-square-foot brick Tudor home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's beautiful. $950,000 because apparently nobody's buying those big houses anymore. I don't know what that's all I bet all you about. could do really well on Airbnb with that thing. Probably. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. put, put your radio studio in there. Come on. Right, well, we'd have to put yours in there, too, because you're on 105 in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, which is right down the hall from uh, I, where I do the morning show at KQRS. We, we work fine. in the I same mean, building and, and, at the same time. Also, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's bricks, so think about the, uh, the three little pigs. So nothing can blow it down, right? Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I do love your show, by the way. I must uh, tell you, Intelligence for Your Life is a very, very good show. It's very. In- you always come up with such interesting. Does your wife do a lot of your a lot of uh, a lot of the work while you sit around and do nothing, John? Is that what it's all about? She has her own show. It's a health show, and she does a lot of her, a lot of right? work on that. But uh, but we yep. do pay people to uh, to curate the information. Uh, and and when we started the show about eighteen nineteen years ago. Uh, it was actually started by my wife. She didn't even know she was doing that. Mm-hmm. She was complaining about uh, she was complaining about my side of the bed one night, which looks like a, a uh, radio shack vomited all over the side of the bed. It's got you know it's got wires and you know <laughs> stuff that's all broken. You know, all iPods and stuff. Right. And so I wanted I wanted to cross complain. So I looked at her side of the bed and then, and I saw uh, stacks of magazines with sticky notes in there. I said, "What's all this madness?" And she said, this, "These are all the articles." my favorite magazines that I'm going to get to, but I haven't had a chance to yet. And the light bulb went off, and I said, well, let's do a show for that woman. We'll curate information. Yeah. And so we started on, like, five stations, and then uh, people shared shared the stuff, right? And it blew up mm-hmm. a little bit. No, I think it's terrific. 14 million listeners a week is a, a very nice number. Yeah. I will tell you that. And um, as I said, I enjoy listening to the show because uh, – you kind of just lay out the facts, the numbers, all the rest of it, and kind of, well, like I said, it's it's kind of just, hey, you you can, you know, you can live your life, and you don't imply that you're you're living it in a dim-witted fashion if you don't follow your lead, but intelligence for your life. There's some really nice tips that you you give on the show. You talk about some very relevant things, and I, like I said, I'm just a big fan of the show. I really like it a lot, as a matter of fact. I, I appreciate it, but I think I, th- I think I'm going to have another. Uh, I, I like this uh, this this, uh, this imaging. You know, stop living your life in a dim-witted fashion. Listen to the John. Well, thank. It's John Tesh here telling you, you dimwit. Well, to be honest, it does feel like that today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. There's, there's a lot of dimwittedness going on in the yes. world, John. Uh, Relentless, unleashing a life of purpose, grit, and faith. Great book. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I, do you think that most people even know you've been through the things you've been through? Uh, I don't. I, in fact, I know they don't because I just right. finished, uh, right. you know, running around on the Today Show and out in Canada and everywhere. And, 
And um, we, you know, I don't know, I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but when, when I got sick, I was still, my voice still worked, so I was still able to use, to do the show in between chemo treatments and it became in between all the suffering and the surgeries and everything. But I guess I just, I, I didn't have faith in humanity, and I, and I should have. I thought, well, if I get sick, you know, all of a sudden all the other syndicators are going to be coming in and going, uh, hey, you know, John's not long for this world. Uh, how about the uh, Fluffy and Danny show, you know? Um, so, so I was being I was being very protective, being very, and you know that the Fluffy and Danny show is somewhere. Um, I was being very protective of, of, of my family. You know, I, I went into protection mode and wanted to make sure my insurance was okay. I wanted to find somebody to replace me. It was a, it was a dire prognosis, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just uh, talking about what we're talking about with John Tesher, his new book is called Relentless. It's a very, very good book. But uh, in 2015, he fought and received treatment for a stage three cancer diagnosis. But when the cancer returned two years later, he and his wife turned to relentless faith and divine healing scriptures to manifest a victory over the disease. What your book tells me, and it's a great title, Relentless is a really, really good title. And what I really like about it, John, is the fact I'm learning from from your book, don't ever give up. And that's the way I've lived my entire life, as a matter of fact. Do you have one second I could tell you, like a a one-minute story very quickly? Something Of course. I was very happy about. I grew up a very, very poor kid, seven kids in the family. My father was institutionalized. My mother raised seven children on a diner waitress's salary. And I remember her tearing up all the time when the rent came due and we'd get evicted and we'd have to. We moved 43 times when I was a little kid, right? So no money, no anything, no, no hope, no future, none of it. Two weeks ago, I was invited to have lunch with the President of the United States. That, to me, is what America's all about and what you're talking about. Don't ever give up. You can't. I don't believe these people that tell you you can't make it, you got no shot, because it's not true. You can absolutely make it. Yeah, it, it, it is true, and I, I, I did not. Uh, and by the way, uh, it's amazing that you that you and your family got got through that. Um, I created my own uh, my own lack. I, I was uh, I wanted to be. I grew up in a middle class family on Long Island. My dad was one of the vice presidents of Hanes Underwear, so we got our underwear free most okay. of my life. Um, matter of fact, I, 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 I don't even remember my mom washing any underwear. I think she threw them away. So I, more yes. underwear. So I, I still have some connections if you guys want to just email me your sizes. Thank you. Um, so my dad thought, you know, listen, I was going to start. I, I, I had a couple of scholarships, actually, music scholarships. I was a classically trained pianist and, and trumpet player, and that's what I wanted to do. And my dad was a World War II veteran tough guy, and he just decided that I was going to follow in his footsteps as the underwear uh, maven. So he enrolled me at North Carolina State University in, in textile chemistry. And so after about, I don't know, three and a half, uh, four semesters of that, I took a radio television course. And you know that feeling. I know you do when you get bit by that bug. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait a second. I can work I can work all the day and then have a little trophy to show for it. I either have a show or I have you know, yep. people who are listening or whatever. I have a film. And so I decided I was going to switch my major without telling my parents, which, of course, I don't advise. Uh, but one of my professors would not sign yeah. the drop ad card because I was past the drop ad date. So under advice, I may have had a beer uh, under advice from my uh, my one of my fraternity brothers. I said he said, "Well, just do what I do. I drop courses all the time." And I said, "What's that, Bob?" And he goes, uh, "Just sign the professor's name to the drop ad card." And and when I did that, I was free. It was great. I just continued on and 
Then when it came time for my report card to come, the card didn't come, but a letter from the chancellor of the, of the university came to my dad saying that I had broken the honor code, that I had forged the professor's signature, I was being given an F for a course, I was being suspended indefinitely, and then my dad told me that I was no longer welcome in his house, and he threw me out, and I only had a pup tent and a little Volkswagen, and I ended up in a park for only six months, not my whole life, but six months, and I was good, good. breaking concrete and learned how to chew tobacco and stuff, and so I had burned my shifts, to quote Hernan Cortez, the great explorer, and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I was instantly destitute, if you know what I mean. I, isn't it wonderful that, and are there a lot of countries in the world, look, I, I'm not, you know, uh, the jingoist waving the flag here, but I do get really sick and tired of hearing what a failure America is when people can do what you did. Uh, when your father had, had such a harsh reaction to it, you went out and did it anyway, and now look where you are. Uh, I, I, I just, I think, again, listening to you and hopefully, uh, in a way, uh, listening to me for that one minute, if I can do it, Anybody can do it, and I'm very serious about that. I don't have any special gifts or anything like that. I just decided I was going to do it, and then I got it done. You can do it. You will love this. You will love this quote, and you may already know about it. Um, and it's somewhere in the in the Relentless book, which is from Thomas Edison. And it's so true because I think we're you know I hate to be one of those guys that's like you know those kids today you know but some of those kids today are <laughs> yeah. in the basement yeah. you know. And, and so and it, it, it basically is this, you know, a lot of people miss an opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. And, and yeah. you, you know very well that, you know, even if you just look at somebody like Seinfeld, okay, people are like, you know, look at, investigate Jerry Seinfeld's life and look at how hard he worked and how hard he's working today just to go up in a club of 200 people, right, to, to, uh, or, or Chris Rock. I'm, I'm, I'm stating comedians, right? But that, it's a great mm-hmm. way to look at You can see all the work that goes into something like that. Oh, it's a tremendous amount of work. But look at all the work that you've done in your life, sometimes from uh, you know, a tent in a public park. But look at all that hard work that got you where you are. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I think that you will appreciate, I know you will appreciate this because uh, I, I write about it in, in Relentless. Uh, because it, my band teacher, who ended up being New York State uh, Teacher of the Year a couple of times, you know, in an elementary school, my, band, my marching band and orchestra teacher told me, taught us, all these little kids, right, who were just handed instruments, taught us process. And it was, it was risk, it was persistence, it was grit, it was focused intensity. And uh, over time, right? And but he, what he said was, don't stop setting goals. This is like this is in, you know, it's 1959. Okay, stop mm, setting right. goals and fall in love with the process. And you can hear any Navy SEAL tell you that too, right? So when you fall in right. love with the process and you work that process every day, what happens? And you know, because you did it yourself. Yeah, no question. Were you in a marching band at that time? Is that what you're talking about? I was in the marching band because uh, I, I'm six foot six now. I weigh 225 That's what pounds. I in junior high, <laughs> in junior high, I was six six, and I weighed 152. So there's no football, no basketball for me. They they put a they put a plume on my head and they put spats on my feet. And they handed me a trumpet, and that was my life. John, I swear to God, I was just picturing you walking and marching down the street in a marching band, and you're a foot taller than everyone else. <laughs> oh, you know That's it. You know, and, and just sort of, just sort of bent over with, you know, with a little stenosis, and 
and, and you march sideways, and they're like, what happened to one of the Trump, one of the Trump players is gone. No, he's just standing sideways. Because <laughs> you weigh a buck fifty. I think it's wonderful that when when you can do what you've done, whether it's succeed in, in business, succeed in life, have a great family, beating cancer, thank God, uh, all the rest of it. Why why do you think it is, by the way, John, and I don't want to get you too deeply involved in, in something you don't want to be involved in, but why, why do you think it is that people have a hard time looking outside themselves? And by that I mean... Look, even if you're not deeply religious, believing in God, which is just a shortened version of the word good, why is it hard for people to believe there is good out there? Uh, I, I, because I, it's a great question, and, and, and I, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson, uh, uh, the great uh, clinical psychologist who's all over YouTube, and also of a man named uh, the late uh, M. Scott Peck, who wrote the book The Road Less Travel. Yeah. Both of these guys believe... Yep believe that, that the only way to be successful, the only way to get to happiness, if, that, if that's what, you, what you're after, is to understand that we live in a fallen world and that there is going to be suffering. If you cannot embrace the fact that, that right. there's suffering and embrace the fact that there's delayed gratification, you have to have delayed gratification, then you'll never get to where, to where you want. So, um, so it's, and, and yet, God didn't put suffering on us, right? God wants us to be well. That's, that's Old Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God wants us to be, and that's all over the Bible, and that's how I ended up getting, ultimately getting healed, and that's in, that's in the book. But until you get to the fact that, that and read, you know, right? Yeah, I'm sure you have. Read Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. You know, he's a Holocaust survivor. I talk about people, who, people who suffered and got on the, on, the, on the other side of that. So if, if, you can't, if you can't understand and, and transcend suffering, then nothing, nothing good will ever happen for you because it's, it is a given. There's going to be a lot of that. And when, you're, when you've got you know, four lines of chemo in your arm and you're, and, you, and you're vomiting between sentences and then you look to your left and there's an eight-year-old that has eight lines of chemo in their arm, so now you've got guilt, that's when you understand suffering. And, and so you have two choices, yeah. and I almost took one of them, which was to strap some kettlebells to my ankles and jump into my pool. Um, my, my angel was my wife, uh, Connie, Connie Selica, who uh, we just insisted that I would be well, and, and that's how I got through it. That's how it should be done, absolutely. Victor Frankl, by the way, thanks for bringing him up, because I'll have it on my mind all day, because as a grown man, every time I read about him talking to the little bird in the concentration camp, I tear up every time. What a phenomenal book that is. Yeah, I mean, and there were people in those camps that would run full speed toward the fence, right? Why? So that somebody would shoot them. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's suffering right there. John, what a great interview you do. You're in, you know, I always like to interview people who like to be interviewed or know how to interview others. It, it, it makes my job a lot easier. It's great talking to you. Love the book, Relentless, Unleashing a Life of Purpose, Grit, and Faith. John Tesh, thanks for still being alive. It was great to talk to you, man. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you really, really quickly, speaking of interviewers, I was interviewing Ted Koppel once for Entertainment Tonight, and I had a big legal pad, right, and I had all my questions on there. And At the end of like a half-hour interview, I said, so Mr. Koppel, please tell me, we all want to know what's the secret to being a great interviewer. And he said, don't do what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. See, we all live and, and learn, said, don't And we? I said, I said, well, he said, you should write down the questions. So I edited that part out. It never aired on YouTube. <laughs> Well, that's good. Yes, edit that part out, but you know it all works out in the end. I think you're doing fine, though, John. I think you're you're doing you're doing well. Don't worry about it. I appreciate and, your and, time, and sir. And you, you ask, you, and you, you ask great questions. I'm honored to be on the show. Yeah, well, come back anytime. Love to talk to you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you too. 
John Tesh, ladies and gentlemen, his memoir, Relentless, Unleashing a Life of Purpose, Grit, and Faith. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with the family. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customers? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Amazon Music broke, That's why I'm doing it right myself. I got to read you something. Because mom just received a text message. Or an email. I think it might have been an email. I'm not sure. But it says here, um, well, let me tell you what mom's email said first. What? Okay. Come on, come on and read your, come in here and read your email. Don't be talking about me behind my back. No, we're talking about the offer you were just given. The offer? Yeah. Oh, um, you're talking about the cruise? Yep. 70... You, don't have to say, you don't have to say the line. I won't. 72% off. <laughs> wow. 72% <laughs> off cruise ships right yeah. now. If you want to go to Alaska in May... <clears throat> 72% off. Well, I mean, I did just That's say, how. I don't know why anyone's going on cruises right now with the outbreak, and they feel the same way, apparently. Well, they do. I guess the thing is, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're on a cruise ship that's uh, d- docked because they found coronavirus on you, what, what is that? I mean, do you get your... Do you get another free cruise? Yeah, really. I, I suppose. What happens? <clears throat> I would imagine they probably do. I, I wonder how all these businesses are going to recover from this. It's going to be I tough, man. Know. They're losing money like a madman right yep. now. They're, they're bleeding. They're hemorrhaging yeah. money right now, no doubt about it. So mom got 72% off offered to her <laughs> on a cruise ship. Yeah, and, and I love the uh, airlines. Airlines are doing deep cleans now. Yeah. Oh, deep cleaning. Yeah, cleaning their planes. Getting wow. emails. Yeah, they're <laughs> deep cleaning on occasion. It's a good plan. 
State Department warns Americans to skip cruises. That's the headline. Oh, there you go. The cruise industry must love that. Oh, my God. Are they going to get hammered? Wow. For more than 2,000 passengers aboard the Grand Princess cruise ship, Monday will be a good day. For residents of Oakland worried about the coronavirus, maybe not as good. The ship has been in limbo off the California coast. Oh, I thought it was in Florida. Sorry. But authorities have finally given it to the green light to dock at the port of Oakland. It is the right thing to do, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf said on Sunday per the East Bay Times. We have to not let our fear dictate or impede our humanity. You know what I would do then? Mm. I would clean up the crap off your streets, lady. That's what I would do. People taking a dump on your streets because it's not healthy. Well, no. See, there are little children walking down those streets, and if they touch that human turd, they could get sick as hell. But you don't care about that. Why? Why don't you care about that? Because that would be making somebody else feel bad about their pooping habits. Oh, so it's okay to crap on the sidewalk. Yep. I will never understand you people. I'll never, ever understand. Uh, you know, we were just talking about there's another another big restaurant going out of business in downtown Minneapolis. When is Minneapolis going to learn you are destroying that, that downtown area? Completely and utterly destroying it if uh, you don't stop doing what well, you're Well, once doing. again, the propaganda machine is out there. Uh, I just read a couple of weeks ago how so many businesses are moving into downtown Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. And they're all so very happy that they have. Mm. Yeah, like who? I I wonder if I can find that article. I don't or know. Andy's probably better at that than me. No, Andy, I do have to ask you a question <clears throat> what? about this. Um, why are people getting in fistfights over toilet paper because of the coronavirus? Yeah, Everyone's what's, what's freaking up with the out. toilet paper yeah, thing? I don't what is that? Get it. I mean, you're, there, there was a woman, I believe she was 24, got in a fist fight with a 65-year-old woman over the last thing of toilet paper. Was it all come from China? What's, I don't know. Maybe I we're mean, not getting our shipments of toilet paper from China. I just don't understand. What is? And by the way, the Kleenex is not even being touched. It's all toilet paper. People are dumb. I, so I don't get it. Why? I don't know. I just started seeing that a couple of days ago on Twitter. People were going to Costco and there's no toilet paper. Uh, that's what I understand. Well, that was at Costco, I, from what I understand. They, they, were, they got in a fist fight over it. So I don't know. And hey, hey <clears throat> now's the time to invest in bidets. Hmm. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> um, the entire four days we were at Disney World, I saw, we saw two people wearing masks. And I think the, they were wearing masks... Because they had those, you know, those scary teeth painted on them, the big, gigantic white teeth. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? I did not even notice these people. Oh, you didn't? There were no. only two of them. So 58 to 70,000 people a day go into Disney World. And out of those 58 to, we'll say, 60 to 70,000 per day for three days we were there in the parks. Mm-hmm. We saw two people wearing masks. Wearing a mask, you've been told, and I've been told over and over again, if you don't have the virus, do not wear a mask. Well, the, um, God, who was that doctor that was on, I think it was a Fox News. He, he's the guy that comes on Fox News all the time. Oh, God, I don't know. He was actually saying if, if you're going to wear a mask, you would need to change it. Yeah, you do, right? Every hour on the hour because yep. the the mask collects viruses. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're constantly t- touching the mask to talk or eat. Right. Or whatever. 
And then you're, you know, so you're not, you're actually concentrating the virus on the mask unless you're changing it constantly. You do not want to wear a mask if you don't have the coronavirus. It's not a good idea. No, masks are designed to to keep, you know, people that are sick from spreading their germs. Right, if you do have it, if you do have it, then wear a mask, absolutely. Because you're not, you're not breathing on spitting on other people. Yeah, they don't wear a mask in uh, surgery. So they don't get something from the patient that they're working on. They are protecting the right. patient from getting their germs. Yeah, that's correct. That's exactly right. I don't know. Oh, this is not good. Pastor with coronavirus shook hands and gave communion. Of course. <clears throat> so. Well, we were in church. Like, what, what? I guess we skipped the last two weeks because we've been traveling. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to be drinking from the communal no, God. Uh, wine no, cup. We're not, no, we're not drinking from Ain't the communal happening. wine cup. No way. Jude, shut up. <laughs> Bite down. Judy's back, so he's Jude, all Jude, you're feisty. 20 minutes early. He's all feisty. He's, like, is a, he's, he's always dying to come in here. He thinks it's podcast time. And, and then, then he, what it is. And then, yeah, then when it gets about last couple of breaks, he's like, time to leave. Wrap this up, will you? It's already been an hour and a half. Let's go. Get go. your chicken. There you go. Yeah, get your chicken and go, go get your play. Chicken. It'll be just fine. Founded in 1817, Christchurch, Georgetown has reportedly not canceled services since that century until now. Starting March 8th, the uh, Washington, D.C., which is yesterday, of course. Uh, the Washington, D.C. church canceled all events indefinitely after a rector at the church was diagnosed with COVID 19, the disease caused by the, no, uh, the novel uh, coronavirus. Anyone who attended the church on February 24th or at any time between February 28th and March 3rd is being asked to self-quarantine at home for 14 days, NBC Washington reports. Reverend Timothy Cole participated in church services February 23rd, the day after returning from a Louisville conference, then began feeling sick on February 24th. Mm. He felt better by February 29th and took part in a church retreat the following day. The Washington Post reports that Cole presided over services on March 1st that were attended by 550 people. He shook parishioners' hands and offered communion. He also participated in a church retreat that day. Officials say he had been regularly washing his hands and seemed healthy, but on March 3rd he was diagnosed with the flu. By Thursday that had become pneumonia, and on Saturday yep. it was determined to be the coronavirus. He is currently hospitalized yep. in stable condition. That's the problem, as it turns into <clears throat> pneumonia real quick, which most flus do, actually. Yeah, they do. Most of them yeah. do. It's the first, from my understanding, that the church has canceled services in 150 years. Oh. A former D.C. council member who attends the church says there is no need to panic, Cole says in a church statement. Following sensible precautions provided by the CDC will go a long way toward ensuring the good health of our community. Mayor Muriel Bowser I acknowledge the hardship for her congregants, uh, some of whom live in Maryland and Virginia, but said officials don't see the self-quarantine as a nice-to, it's a must-to. So nice-to-do, no, must-do, yes. Okay. So I don't know. It's well, you certainly don't want to be the reason why somebody else dies. No, right? You don't no. want to be giving it to somebody. So you should stay home. And but what is the quarantine period now? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, fourteen days. Two weeks. That's a long time. <clears throat> it is a long time to stay home. Yeah, just to sit home at home for two weeks would be yeah, that'd be a bit too much. No doubt about it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all shakes out in the end. But is it any? I don't know. Is it any more dangerous than all these others? Have it doesn't been? seem like it is, but 
I don't know. Think. I guess it depends on whose Twitter feed you go on. It's all true, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I know. Weird. Her I mean, mom. What? Andy, you had like the flu, didn't you? I haven't had the flu since I was like twelve. Oh, but you had something. You had some sort of coughing I had bronchitis. Virus. Well, I had yeah. tracheitis that turned into bronchitis. Tracheitis? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're the first person I've ever met that has tracheitis. <laughs> a lot of people get tracheitis. They just don't know that it's a Is that thing. a sore throat? Yes. Oh. Well, it's okay, a well, sore throat caused that. by a virus or a bacteria, but yeah. But, yeah, Dad just got a text message from somebody he knows he said he's in bed with 102 plus temperature and that's what alex had was a really high fever for quite a while Mm -hmm. she was really sick i never had a fever you know and it's like well should be quarantined for 14 days if you've got that going on too is it still true that the elderly and infirm are the ones who are getting very sick from this well yeah it's the elderly pretty much isn't Mm -hmm. it and then people who have some other problems. Yes. Yeah. If you're yeah, that's like, all you need is you if you're below the age of probably eighty, and you don't have anything else going on, you're probably fine. Yeah, that'd be my guess. So I don't know. You you want to be careful, but I I just I really once again I, I just don't understand why on earth we need to panic the way we do just to gain political favor. I really wish that were not happening. I know. Americans used to be considered to be, like, brave and stuff. Yeah, now really. we're just, like, running chicken little. This guy is following at all times. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I wanted to. I mean, I loved having John Tesh on talking about this. If you work and you work and you work, you will succeed. The man had stage three cancer. He's beaten it twice. That's amazing. <clears throat> Pardon me, coronavirus. Oh, that's nice. Now I'm, I'm going to get it from Catherine. <laughs> typical. Typical. Yeah, so if you were in a five... Is not that uh, easy to beat, that's for sure. No. If you're in a five-star hotel somewhere and you decide that you need to self-quarantine, do they have to let you stay for free? Probably not. I don't know. Because I'm checking right <laughs> in the minute I have any sort of symptoms. Sorry, Maybe can't leave. Well. I can't leave. I got the virus. The CDC you know, says I have ama- to stay here for free. Exactly. What's pretty amazing is I have noticed that they haven't canceled all the uh, all the rally crowds, have they? The they political haven't. rally crowds. They haven't canceled those anywhere. Oh. Now, why is that? If we're supposed to cancel all these events and play sporting uh, events in front of no crowd, why are you allowed to gather for a convention then? Well, especially when they're uh, – so, so who's having a convention? Well, you got like Bernie Sanders rallies, Biden rallies, and Trump rallies. You got all three of them. Well, Trump is saying that this is no big deal virus, so his supporters probably are like, oh, okay, he's the president. He's got access to really good information. And yeah, Bernie Sanders, he's the one that's probably the biggest uh, malcontent on the planet. No, not And Bernie unhappy Sanders. about absolutely everything. So you would think that he would definitely want his people to stay home because you know, our health care system is horrible and everything's horrible and he should be protecting his followers. I read somewhere yesterday and then I saw it on, and it wasn't on Fox, it was somewhere else. It was on CNN or MSNBC or one of those. 
But apparently, when when he was younger, Bernie Sanders was in a kibbutz in Israel, and it was a way, way far left-leaning communist type of kibbutz, I guess. The people there got so sick of him, they kicked him out of the kibbutz. Mm. Wow. Because <laughs> he would never help. He wouldn't do any of the work to help anybody. All he would do is sit and bitch and complain every day. Uh, because it's an outrage? It's an outrage. It's an outrage. Everything's an outrage. Yeah, apparently he would he would not do any work at all. He would just sit around and complain and tell people we need to get they need to get grouped together and why? Like I said, yeah, I just like I said, I can't understand why people f- like him. I don't either. I don't get it either. You know, well, it's going to be Biden and Trump. So, and and that's the last you're ever going to see of Bernie Sanders. Oh, I don't know. I think he'll keep on. I think he's digging this whole attention thing big time. I just, uh, I'm worried about his health. His health, he does not look good, man. Bernie? I know Bernie just had that heart attack, what, about two, three months ago, something like that? Bernie doesn't look good. He's got that look in his eye like he doesn't feel good. So I well, don't know. Well, it's got to be exhausting. <clears throat> oh, I would think so, yeah, for an 80-year-old. Is he to be flying or? around on private airplanes everywhere. Yeah, I mean, to fly private. And then I, I love that last week he walked onto the wrong airplane. Yeah, they all look alike. Mm. They do all look alike. It's true. All the private jets. What the hell? We'll get it all covered. Look, I mean, uh, look. If Bernie Sanders is president, I'll live. Biden president, I'll live. Trump is president, I'll live. I, I, it, you think any of them is going to be the perfect answer? Then you got another thing coming. Relax, calm down, and we'll be back with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Doodly, 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 doodly. I said doodly. Did you? <clears throat> All right. We got to get our votes in for how much longer Harry and Meghan are going to be married. As long as the money keeps well, flowing. I think that he's really, he's got to be in it now. But for what he did, he's going to have to stick with it for a while so he doesn't look like an idiot. Right? Yeah, I just don't, yeah. I don't know if he's going to make it through that. What It's all, everything's always about her. Have you noticed that? Well, well yeah. she was, like I said, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. It's, everything's about 
yeah. you when you're an actress. It's your career, your career, your career, your career, your fans, 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 fans. It's all about her. It's going to be very interesting to see him uh, try to become her manager. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because that's what he's going to end up being. Basically, yes. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. I just think, I, I don't know. It, it's just a strange thing. I think, I, I mean, I can understand why she was unhappy because I don't think the Brits liked her because she was not a Brit. Well, uh, yeah, plus she's a pain in the ass. That's another they, big reason they didn't like her. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. She just she's not a very likable person. She's very she's very needy. Nice family she's got though. Does anybody in that family get along? Well, it's a tough it's a tough family to be in. I mean, you're supposed to be basically, you know, the whole package you have to be polite you have to be smart you have to be dressed perfectly no no no, no. i'm talking about her family oh her family i don't know anything about her no, family. her family's nuts honest to god her family is way out there the mom and the dad and everybody gets in battles and it's way well, out yeah, whatever mm. whatever works i guess but if that's what you like that's what you like isn't it well like i said she's an actress so you can't expect her to be anything but a pain in the ass. I'll give them 18 months, and I don't think they'll still be married. You think, oh, 18 months? Yeah. Hmm. I, think, I just don't think they're going to stay married. I, it, it, it's always got to be more and more and more. It's, it's never going to be enough for her. She's just one of those kind of people. Mm-hmm. She's an actress, as you said. Yep. You know, she's an actress, so everything has to be my way, and that's just all it is. And he's going to get really tired of that. I would think. <clears throat> Boy, a poll just came out. This is not good news for Bernie Sanders again. Uh, the latest polls coming out of Detroit and the entire state of Michigan are saying that uh, that Biden has a huge lead in Michigan for tomorrow. If uh, I would say if Sanders doesn't win in Michigan tomorrow, he's done. I don't see how he could possibly recover from that because Biden's going to crush him in Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, all of those states. He's going to get hammered down there, so... Unless unless he can win Michigan, I just the latest poll to come out of Michigan, Biden's got a fifty-one to twenty-seven percent lead. Wow! Yeah, I think it's just about over there, Bernie. It's time to move on. Maybe it's time to move back to the kibbutz where you don't have to work anymore. What do you think? I'm surprised he ever left a kibbutz. That must have. Been, I mean, they that kicked should him have, out. But that should have been his perf- perfect place to be. Well, they kicked him out. That was not the if problem. you won't contribute. Yeah, he won't contribute. That that was his biggest problem. He just won't contribute. He won't work. He's one of those. Has he ever had a job other than being a mayor and a senator or whatever else he is? He wrote some sort of weird <clears throat> romance porn. Yeah, that's right. He wrote for rom- a while. Yeah, he wrote romance porn for a while, and mm-hmm. then he also uh, he he cut an album. As I went walking... He did not. Oh, yes, he did. He yeah, tried to be oh, a, yeah, a recording right. artist. Too, Andy, yeah. find it. I found yeah, it you before. Can find a, I would love to hear that. This land is made for you and me or whatever? I think so. As I was walking along the river or whatever. Oh, my oh, God. It's just dreadful. Oh, my really God. Really bad. Really, really So bad. he's really always wanted to be in the public eye. Yeah, he wanted to be famous. He's wanted to be famous his whole life, and that's what this is all and about. And that's why you promise people free stuff that you can't pay for. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. One of those deals. I don't know. Uh, whatever. What, what What do you got, Andrew? Anything? Uh, let's see. Yes, I believe so. What's the name of the album? Feel the Burn? I think it was uh, quite a while before that. It was, it was a while before Feel the oh, Burn. Looks burn, like, baby, uh, burn. Looks like they've burn, been baby, burn. scrubbing it. So it might take a little longer to find. Okay, well, no problem. Wait, just let me know when you're ready. I'll, I'll, I can do another story, but I don't know. What are you going to do? Um, yeah, so I, Biden's got a huge edge. 50, what did they say? 51 to 27%. Almost double the numbers that Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie, it's time to wrap it up, man. You know, it, it is literally time to wrap it up. Oh, look at this. How about this, Catherine? Do you agree with this? What? MSP. Minneapolis St. Paul International, best airport of its size in North America. It is a pretty good airport now. It is, I agree. It really is. They've done a lot of improvements. It's got quite a quite a few food options and it's pretty easy to get around except the only problem with it is our gates are always about 4 or 5 miles away from where you enter. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much. How you doing, Andy? Did you find it? Oh, they've gone after it. They've wiped it from the internet, basically. Really? Oh, you yep. can't find it anymore? Mm. No. Oh, come on. Damn Have a sense it. of humor, Bernie followers. Bernie. Come on, man. Uh, mm. So you can't find it at all? Uh, I'm trying, but I don't. Oh, I think this might be it. I roamed and rambled. Yep. I followed my footsteps from the sparkling sands <laughs> of your diamond <laughs> desert. And all around me, a voice was sounding. Voice was sounding. This land was made for you and me. Why would anybody buy this? This is why black people don't like him. (laughs) Because of this song. (laughs) That song alone. (laughs) That song alone keeps the black vote away. People are uploading it around, but uh, whenever they find it, they. What, it, what is he thinking? When did he record that? Yeah, when did he record it? And it was several uh, years ago. It was, it? I think it was from the 80s. 87. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he wanted to be famous more than anybody on earth. He wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a recording artist. He wanted to be an actor. He wanted to run a kibbutz. He wanted to, he, he wanted to do everything except for actually work. He would do anything except for, except for work. And by the way, Mr. Green Planet... You know, he's all, all into this, you know, the Green New Deal and all that stuff, right? Yep. Do you know what uh, temperature he sleeps at every night? Every night he sleeps at 60 degrees. Burr. Do you know how much uh, energy he's wasting doing that? Well, in the winter time, he's probably breaking even. Yeah. Maybe. In the wintertime, he might be breaking even, but in the summertime, do you know how much extra fuel he's using by getting the temperature that low? Yeah, yeah. Building up oh. enough electricity yeah. to jack it that low? Yeah, that's really... <clears throat> so, so, so not Bernie... Not green. Not Bernie, green at all. That, that's not living green at all, Bernie. Uh-huh. You, can't, you can't sleep. You have to sleep at 72 like the rest of us. But he said he can't sleep. Unless it's cold, he cannot sleep. Oh, well, then... Screw the planet if you can't sleep. Mm-hmm. It's all about you, Burn. Feel the burn, baby. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. Whatever. It's just... Andy, do you think that we'll ever get get into a situation where it's not going to all be about hysterics and all the rest? Everybody's hysterical. 
I mean, I think so. It'll it'll swing, but it'll take a while. We're at the very height so you, of constant. Everything is dangerous. Everything is violent. Everything is scary, even though not, almost none of it is. But you know, I mean, what was it like thirty, forty years ago that people were, you know, it was more stoic, whereas now it is right. the exact opposite of stoic. So I think in it is the, probably it is. fifteen, twenty years, maybe. But it's I'm hoping. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the stock market is now down 1,900 points. Holy God. Wow. The Dow Jones Industrial down 1,914 points. The, I, man, this is, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's all I'm saying. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen anymore. From day to day, you just never know. Well, well that is true. From well, day the to problem day, is that we've, just, we've got a small group of people that can manipulate everything. That's also part of the big yeah. problem. What, you mean the politicians? Politicians, uh, hedge fund people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people can manipulate stuff like crazy. Listen to this. Free fall in oil sends shutters through markets. All your coronavirus travels uh, questions answered. Coronavirus cases in New York. How to prepare for the coronavirus. What to know about the coronavirus. So basically, it's still leading the news. It's all about the coronavirus, and they mention uh, the free fall in oil. But it's only briefly mentioned, so I, I don't know. It's whatever, whatever works. Um, My corona. We almost got through the show, Andy, without her doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, every time I hear it, that voice, that song comes into my brain. I can't help it. Apparently, that's true. It just springs into your, it does. jumps into it's your just brain. Right there. I don't know why that would be, but we almost got that's through without her singing "My Sharona, My Corona." I can't help it. You know what I'm saying? It's what I do. I suppose it's true. I suppose it's all true. I, I don't know. <laughs> What is wrong with you? Here's some. I just saw some news that's not good for the people of Boston. Right. Some of Boston's most expensive real estate is sinking into the earth. Oh. That is not good news. Was it from the big dig? In 2011, developer Kobe Kempel paid $2.5 million for a red brick former carriage house in Boston's coveted Beacon Hill, mm-hmm. one of the priciest neighborhoods in the country, famed yes. for its cobblestone streets and historic row houses. Beacon Hill has been home to former Secretary of State John Kerry and many other notable Bostonians over the years. When Mr. Kempel bought the circa 1900 house on Beaver Place, the underground wooden pilings supporting the foundation had been rotting for years. To the point where the building's walls were almost floating, he recalled. The only thing that was holding the building up was the fact that it was connected to the adjacent buildings. It was almost leaning on those party walls. Mr. Kempel said he spent several hundred thousand dollars repairing the pilings before he was able to carry out his plan of renovating the rest of the house. Yes, apparently uh, damage to those wooden pilings causes homes to settle, jagged cracks to appear in walls and bricks windows to blow out of their frames. If left unchecked, rotting pilings can render a home uninhabitable. The number of buildings have been condemned over the years as a result of this setting. So what is the problem? It doesn't really say why. It's just the age of them? Depleted groundwater levels are causing a lot of the rot of the wooden piles that support historic... Ah. So why would depleted groundwater cause that? Because there's no... There's... there's 
room. On, well, okay, so if the, if the water goes away, the ground's going to sink because underground streams and stuff keep everything up. Oh, you know so what I mean? I just noticed something. In 1630, the shoreline was a lot smaller than it is in Boston now. It's receded by, it looks at least, it looks like about a mile to me. I don't know if it's that far. But apparently all of the expensive housing on the ocean in Boston is built on wooden pilings. Mm. That is unbelievable. Wow. Can't they replace those? Uh, that's what he they did. They should be able to lift it up and just put new ones in. Roughly 6,000 buildings in Boston, including some of the city's most expensive homes, are supported on wood pilings and constituting 40 to 50% of the city's residential tax base, says Christian Simonelli or Simonelli, executive director of the Boston Groundwater Trust, an organization established by the city to monitor groundwater levels. So why, did, why don't they go with steel pilings now? Instead of wood. I don't know. Uh, I Expensive. have no idea. I suppose, yeah, probably. Be, well, well, if you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars anyway. Right. It's got to be cost effective down the line. All right, let's go uh, fold things up, and then let's go in the other room and thank everyone that we didn't build our house on wood pilings. What yeah. do you think? How about the apartment buildings? Are they built on wood pilings? Because I wouldn't feel too happy about that. No. That's scary. That would be a little frightening, no doubt about it. Tom here from my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car. Run out of gas. You have a flat tire? Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care? It's free with purchase. That's right. I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. On the first part of the journey. <laughs> yep. Easy what listening. Do you think of that? Easy listening music today. And he's got it plugged into easy listening. Yeah. It's true. It's called Mellow 70s Gold, so you're not wrong. Mellow 70s Gold, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Tell me when Mr. Williams is ready to go and we'll launch into it. We're all good. 
We are good to go. Bob Williams, ladies and gentlemen, Ranch Hands Rescue. Bob, I have to tell you, you'll be mostly talking to my lovely wife, Catherine, because <laughs> you're already her hero. Well, what I like ranches. Thank you I love so ranches, much. love rescuing. So, uh, Bob Williams is founder and CEO of Ranch Hands Rescue, a counseling center and animal sanctuary. For much of his career, Williams was a high-level representative for Motorola. Retired in 2007 after suffering a stroke, his idea for the animal sanctuary came about a year after uh, a year of physical and mental rehabilitation. On his road to recovery, he became inspired to help animals that were also in need of different kinds of therapy. Catherine, take over. Okay, so the, <laughs> the therapy was. part is for the animals or for animals with people? Well, I was, it's, for, it's for people. So basically okay. what happened was I... You know, and I don't say this to sound pretentious, but my closest friend for 25 years was Doris Roberts, who was best known for the TV show Everybody Loves Raymond. And Love uh, Doris and I talked just about every day, you know. And uh, she actually saved my life. I, I was with her when I had my stroke. I, I wanted to go back to her house oh, wow. and lay down. And she took, we called her doctor, and I got into the hospital and got that stroke medicine. But anyways, through my recovery, uh, I started saving animals just as something to do, you know what I mean, after I retired. And um, and I and I noticed that they were having this effect on me. I'd go to the diet. See, I wanted to establish a sanctuary for special needs animals. You know, I, I didn't want the healthy ones because the special needs animals are the ones that usually are the first ones to be euthanized. And right. so um, so what happened was I, I would go to the heart doctor, I'd go to the neurosurgeon, and they'd say, you know, what's happening with you? You're you're like a different person. And the only thing I could attribute it to was saving these special needs animals. And back in the day, in 2008, we got our public charity status in 2009. Um, What happened was I was working with law enforcement and I only wanted to take animals that had been seized for abuse and neglect. And I call them the forgotten ones. So Doris said to me, have you ever thought about starting a public charity and you could really save a lot of animals? And I said, well, I want to do that, but I want to establish a sanctuary for special needs animals, but I also want to figure out how to help people. And so in 2010, our counseling program was born, and and that's another great story of how we got there. But basically, the best way to think about us is that in any segment of the population, there is uh, organizations like the advocacy centers and veterans organizations and you know counselors can help the majority of people my question was what happens to the people that you can't help where do they go and so it's this program was designed for the one to eight percent of individuals that need a different or more more alternative proactive approach to mental health we happen to specialize in kids that have been sexually abused or sex trafficked and uh, we partner the animals with them in mental health therapy. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you. I, yeah, it's, I, a, it's I, an incredible program. So many people fall through the cracks with mental health anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And even transitioning back into the world after they've maybe conquered drug addiction or something like that. And there's you know, very little help for people. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, in my case, you know, I, I always tell everybody, Catherine, I'm one of the lucky ones. So I am a survivor of rape. I was raped as a teenager. Couldn't process it. Uh, I'm an addict. I've been, I was homeless by the time I was 20, active in my addiction in my 20s. Mm. 
I got clean and sober for the first time at 26 and uh, relapsed at 27, got clean and sober at 28, and I've been clean and sober ever since. And uh, I always tell everybody that there's no question that, you know, my angels and God were with me because I really don't know how I survived, you know, all those years. And it was really by a miracle that I got hired by Motorola as a sales guy in those days and uh, was promoted through the ranks over the years and got back in school and turned my life around. But I've had a lot of treatment and I've had a lot of counseling. And I was diagnosed with PTSD and high anxiety in 1997. And so it, it just seemed to me that, you know, part of my service work for us addicts that are being clean now is to help others. And at this point in my life, I wanted to try to help as many people as I could because I designed this program for people like me, people that didn't see any hope. And the whole, the whole idea behind it is we've got to be able to get to the root of the trauma in order to teach individuals how to reprocess it so that they can reprocess it in a healthy way and give them the tools that they need so that they can have a full and productive life. You're making way too much sense. <laughs> there you go. I don't know why. <laughs> this thing sounds like the, this should be the model for getting people mentally healthy, right? Well, yeah, well, I think so. I mean, we'd certainly like to kind of package this. You know, we're a public charity, and we rely on donations and grants and share this with the world because I think we could save a lot of animals with special needs. And we can help thousands of people, you know, kids and people. And uh, one of the challenges is that, you know, every, there's so much to this. With the, when the cases come to us, we have 28 partner agencies that we work with here in the Metroplex. And uh, the, the challenge is that if somebody's regressing, especially kids in their current program, then when we test them, by the time they get to us, and our, by the way, our, our uh, requirement for free services is that they must have been in a program previously and they're not getting better. So they've mm. gone through 12 months or 15 months of counseling. By the time they get to us, what happens is when we test them, we start seeing all kinds of additional issues. So, for example, severe depression, severe anger, self-mutilation, eating disorders that are starting to develop. So they're testing very high on the end of the spectrum, and that's why they don't see any hope, you know. And uh, testing is important to us because we really need to understand how, you know, how we're doing. But what we do know is, is that some individuals will tell an animal something before they'll tell an adult in a traditional office environment. And so that's when it's done with licensed professional counselors that, that I say are seasoned, you know, that have worked with child abuse cases and sex trafficking cases and veterans with PTSD and so on and so forth. They know exactly what to look for based on how the individual reacts with the animal. And, uh, and I think one of the key things is that, that individuals really basically forget they're in counseling and they, mm. want, they want to nurture this animal. And so it's that bond that's developed. Well, also, they probably lost uh, trust in humans. Absolutely. And a dog's not going to tell anybody their secrets, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And it's funny. Is it, is it always dogs? 
Nope, it's it's that we take all farm animals and dogs and cats, but we only take animals in critical condition, and we only take the ones that would ordinarily be euthanized or seized from law enforcement. So, you know, we get broken jaws, broken legs. On the animal side, we've actually done some pretty fascinating things. We put the first horse in the world in a prosthetic leg without amputation. Uh, that wow, was back really? in 2011. Yeah, we did the first ever open heart surgery in a sheep in the world, and we did uh, <laughs> the, the first ever stem cell transplant in a horse to heal the tendon uh, with nanofiber technology. And so we've done a lot of these first evers. You know, I'm just the type of a guy. You know, people told me my whole life, uh, especially after my you know being an addict with drug drugs and alcohol. You know, I'd never get clean. I'd never amount to anything. You know, I wouldn't be successful. I have no doubt that what happened to me then was God's way of preparing me for the work that I've done the last 11 years. And uh, uh, having said that, I think that, you know, God puts you exactly where he needs you. And so uh, I'm just one of those people that, you know, I continue to ask questions and say, you know, there must, if they could do it for humans, you know, for people, why can't they do it for an animal? And so now, you know, you're seeing businesses that have popped up all over the country where they're putting animals in prosthetics. And, you know, we have a dog with three prosthetics. And so, uh, you know, it's it's all pretty amazing what's what's been done the last 10 years. I had a Jack Russell. We had a Jack Russell for 18 years that had one eye because he got kicked by a horse because, of course, he's a Jack Russell and they're prone to be uh, naughty yeah. and wouldn't stop right. bothering this horse. <laughs> so, and he he was absolutely fine, though. I mean, he didn't have, he had no idea that he had a disability. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. I, I, I have a blind horse that's completely blind, and she doesn't know she's blind. She's She wasn't always blind either. She's only been blind for a couple of years. And you can watch her all day, and you'll, you won't be able to pick out which one's blind. Isn't that amazing? And we have a blind uh, sheep, and uh, we have her with one of our horses that has special needs. And uh, they're the two of them together, I mean, you know, he's her eyes. And I don't think she realizes she's blind, kind of similar to what you're saying. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It really is. Well, I watch her every day, and I'm like, God, I, I, I can it's, it's amazing to watch her because she's a beautiful horse, Arabian. She's, she was not blind. She drank out of a, dirt, a puddle that had deer urine in it. And the bacteria from the deer urine made her go blind. Yeah. And she's completely oh, wow. blind. She can't even see light at all. She's seen blackness. But she... See, it, here's what I love about that story. See, they get to just be an animal. You know, it's okay that yeah. they're different. It's the same thing with people that need help. You know what I mean? We get a lot of these veterans in, and, you know, typically the homeless veteran or the veteran that just can't keep a job or a relationship, they've got... Uh, you know, severe PTSD or anxiety, but you'd be amazed at the types of childhood trauma that they've had, all right? And a lot of them right now, the, the ones in ours, over 50% of them were sexually abused as kids and it was never reported. So you got that trauma and then, of course, you go off the battle and, you know, you've got PTSD on top of that. But in terms of the animals, I'm always amazed at how people say, well, you know what, they're just not worth it anymore. And so they want to euthanize them. And I just believe they should just get to live out their life and, and be a dog or a horse or whatever the case is and be loved unconditionally and, uh, you know, just be an animal. I love that. 
I think that's great. It, it no, is. I, it is frustrating sometimes. Like I, I grain her because she's the only Arabian I have, and they tend to use need more food, more nutrition because they get thin. And I grain her every morning and night, and she'll be an inch from that bowl, and she won't be able to find it. So I, I hold the bowl now up near near my chest, and she eats out of it. And uh, yeah, she's she's great. And there she was. She was at a, a horse vet across the street, and she was going to be put down. And she's very young. She's she's only twelve year old horse. So uh, I and she's so beautiful. I'm like, don't put that horse down. I'll take her. And she's been an amazing horse. Oh, my, I love that story. That, that's love, brother. You're you're her angel. You know, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, there's a lot of people that that I think feel the same way we all do. And those of us in rescue, um, and that, you know, love animals, it's like, you know, you have a Jack Russell Terrier that lives for eight years, I mean, 18 years, that's a, that's a wonderful life, you know, and you know that that animal was loved. But we get calls daily from people that say, you know, I got a 24-year-old horse, I just don't want him anymore, you know, he's old, he's costing me a lot of money. I mean, it just, it, it, it's, it's really sad what happens, and then if you look at, a lot of these people that they rescue a dog, and then six months later they don't want the dog anymore. So um, I don't know if I could really be. I, I, won't, I don't have much in common with people that don't have a love for animals and for helping others. You know what I mean? I do understand that, Dale. Bob, two things. First of all, now I'm stuck with L.A. Nick thinking he's an angel, so thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I actually feel like I'm I am her angel. <laughs> Yes, here we you go. Are her angel. I am. She was, was going to go. be put down. She was. She was on her I deathbed. I know. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the other thing, Bob, I got to tell you, Doris Roberts, her portrayal, the way she treated her daughter-in-law, was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. God, in my I love that show. Laughed so hard. She was phenomenal. She was. She really oh, was. Raymond, I'm sorry. You have to eat her cooking. <laughs> Tell you, she was one of a kind, and uh, one of the my, you know, she we vacationed together. She'd come to Dallas and and stay with us, and I'd go out there and stay with her. And uh, we actually met at an event I was speaking at in L.A. And um, she said, "I'd like to have lunch with you." And I, I never thought she'd call me for lunch, but she did, and we became, you know, great friends. But she had a passion for animals, and you know, you should have seen her with Midnight, our little horse. Uh, with the prosthetic leg, and she just loved to come and visit the animals. And of course, she raised you know millions of dollars for us. But uh, and she also you know started the program Puppies Behind Bars in New York, you know, which was to help white collar criminals teach service dogs so that they could have a career when they got out of uh, prison. Mm. And yeah, she did mm. a lot of wonderful work. But hey, do you mind if we talk about? Uh, uh, sex trafficking of boys for just a second. Um, would you, how much time do you have left? Do you have do you have another five ten minutes, Bob? I do. If you do, okay. Do you mind if we take a two minute break? We'll come back and we'll talk about exactly that with Bob Williams right after this with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems, 
30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. <laughs> 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself. And with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. Oh, you do have the dance music over the day, Honest to God, he's got it cooking. We're talking to Bob Williams, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, ranchhandrescue.org. That's ranchhandrescue.org is Bob's uh, website. And now we're going to move on to another subject, which uh, how old were you when you were attacked, Bob? 17. You were 17 years old. Did you know the person? No. I was sound asleep, woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning with a knife to my throat. Uh, he, and he beat me to a pulp as well and spent a week in the hospital. My oh dad my was God. retired military, and when he picked me up from the uh-huh. hospital, he said, you know, you're just going to man up, and we're never going to talk about this again. And uh-huh. uh, I couldn't process it, you know. Yeah, it was a different time, you know. It was, as a matter, right. matter of fact, right. you, when, I made him, when I made amends with my dad, he had tears in his eyes because, you know, I hated him for a lot of years because I couldn't understand why he couldn't help me. And by the time he tried right. to figure out how to, how to help me, I was too deep in my addiction, you know. But uh, he said, I love you so much, I didn't, I didn't know how to help you. And uh, yeah. in those days, there wasn't programs for boys. You know, you sweep it under, under the rug. And here was a man who was married to my mom for 55 years, and when he died, uh, we found his medals. He was uh, awarded the Bronze Star. And a, and a bunch of other medals, and she never knew that he ever received the medal. So that world really? was generation. They were a different group. Yeah, he never talked yep. about yes. it. Yep. Yep. That's true. But what happened was uh, a couple of years ago, they were forming a coalition here in Texas to um, address the, the issues of human trafficking, and they were bringing people in to, you know, kind of sit and advise and. And they asked me if I'd like to participate, and, you know, I didn't know why they wanted me to participate, because, you know, we had uh, sex trafficking victims in our program, the youngest of which at the time was six years old. And uh, it's hard to wrap your head around that, but it's, uh, yeah. it's an absolute fact. As a matter of fact, that was a big case here in Texas, and he got 48 consecutive years uh, on his sentence. But, but at any rate, I would sit there and li- I thought this is a good opportunity to learn something. You know, they had a bunch of different 
different organizations in there, and Homeland Security and FBI and you know law enforcement people, and we were talking about the issue, and and uh, and I I just one day said, can I ask a question? And one of our local judges said, absolutely, go ahead. And I said, is there a problem with boys? You know, you hear all the talk about girls and, and women, and I get it; it's very serious. There's not enough beds. We need to stop it. But you know, what about the boys? And she said, it's the single biggest country problem in the country today, and nobody's talking about it. So, and she said, I think you're the perfect person to start to investigate it. So I started uh, gathering data from, you know, missing the, the Center for Missing and Exploited Kids and a bunch of organizations, and I was really shocked that at the lack of data around boys, and that's why we call them the forgotten ones. And, and what happened was about 11 months ago, Governor Abbott's office called me from here in Texas and said, we're putting together, the governor realizes that, that there is a problem with uh, boys being human trafficked in Texas, and he wants to stop it. So would you like to serve on the task force? And I said, absolutely. And that's when my eyes were really opened, that this is happening every day, everywhere, in every community. And the average age that boys are targeted on the Internet is 13 years old. So human trafficking today looks very different than what most people think about with, uh, you know, the movie Taken and, and, and other things. It's, it happens mm-hmm. in various ways, but it's a very serious problem. And there's estimates that up to 50% of human trafficking victims could be boys and young men. And what we base that off of is you're starting now to see stings across the country. You know, back then, they, nobody was really targeting predators who were buy, trying to buy boys. And uh, that's changing now as you look at the sting comparisons. That So now there's law enforcement, you know, officials acting like a 13 or a 14-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy, and and doing these these things where people are trying to buy them and meet up, meet up with them for sex. And so we've got to stop the demand, number one. But here's the real issue. There's not one safe house in the country, Tom, uh, that is for young men uh, 18 to 24 to go to. Really? Not one. Yeah, and, so there, and there's no beds. There's a complete lack of beds. And so you've got, you've got these issues with these young men that, and many of them are coming out of the foster care system, you know, they prey on vulnerable kids, and sure. they're having survival sex and other issues, and uh, and so, you know, and predators pick them up, and they use them and abuse them, and then a trafficker picks them up, and, you know, they can sell them seven or eight times a day. They drug them up and, uh, you know, pretty much own them, so it's, it's actual human slavery. And at the end of the day, we've got to, to, the public has to be educated on this issue, and we've got to get this safe house open so that we can save more of our young people, that we can help them, you know. No, I understand that completely. Why why do you think as a nation we're just burying our heads in the sand about this? I think that, uh, you know, there just was a lot of myths pretty amazing when I speak around the country and when I go into law enforcement agencies, they want to help. I don't think anybody really realized what was happening with boys and young men, you know, uh, because the myth is boys can get away. 
a lot of people don't understand trauma bonding and, you know, different issues. And quite frankly, law enforcement, you know, they've got their hands full. There's so many issues, you know, that they're dealing with uh, daily. So I think that as they become aware of it, well, I know because I work with them every day, there are, they want to put a focus on this and they want to help as many of these kids as they can. It's just that we have to create awareness. You know, um, Mike Pompeo issued in the last State Department report that boys and young men being human traffic is a problem in the country. So that was a huge step in, you know, the administration acknowledging, you know, we've got a problem. But from where I sit, you know, not only do we have to open the safe house, which we're, we're starting to do a capital campaign for now, because my organization is completely debt-free. And, you know, as bad as it's needed, because I could probably have, you know, 10 young men from around the country tomorrow uh, that could, you know, we could provide a safe environment for and get hopefully get them on a path to healing. You know, we don't want to take on a half a million dollar debt, you know, especially with what's happening today. Uh, you know, we've got to be able to raise the money and fund this thing separately. But uh, if you look at the stings, you know, they're running about 38 38 to 42 percent are predators looking for boys and young men on the internet. It's pretty scary. That's very high. Is there any understanding of why a grown man would be attracted to a little boy or a little girl? You and I can't even understand how that happens. Is there any understanding of how that does happen? Not to my knowledge. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there are people in counseling who think that these people can be rehabilitated. I don't happen to believe that. With the no, things that we either. see every day, yeah, I mean, our, our counselors are like trauma surgeons. You know, they're seeing severe case after severe case. And when you, I, I, you know, children cannot make their own decisions. And so there's a sickness and an evil uh, with these people that I don't think ever is going to go away. And it's it's a it's a very difficult, complex situation, but I don't subscribe that they can be rehabilitated. Yeah, I mean, it was thought many, many years ago that, that people who do things like that, those things happen to them as a child, but now they found out that's not necessarily true. Correct. Um, kids, it's called what they call learned behavior, you know, and so they, if, if an eight-year-old was sexually abused for years, that 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 may, you know, that they may want to abuse a child. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different views on the subject. I mean, you know, I'm not a counselor, although I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to learn as much as I can every day about this, and I rely on my clinical team. My, my uh, clinical director is a retired colonel, specialist in PTSD and trauma, Lieutenant, ben, I mean, Colonel Ben Dickerson, and uh, he's an amazing guy. And so our team is, is very strong, and as I said, the testing component's really important. But these cases are so severe that we have to, you know, I kind of say throw the kitchen sink at it. We don't just do animal therapy. We do EMDR and CPT and sand therapy and play therapy and faith-based therapy, and we, we kind of take everything and take the best, um, you know, teachings of each modality and apply it to these cases because they're so complex. I mean, we have probably a dozen kids right now in our program that are cutting, you know, kids that are cutting their forehead, their face, their arms, mm-hmm. their hands. And so, you know, these are 
kids that are in deep trouble, right? There are real psychological issues with the damage that has been done to them. And, uh, and that's a real cry for help. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, I always trust that law enforcement is going to do its job. And I think these men and women are amazing at what they do. And, uh, you know, and I don't know how they do it because we see, they see the worst side of it. And you have a, you, there's a whole newfound respect for our first offenders, not just law enforcement and the detectives and the, you know, FBI people involved, but the, the nurses that, you know, in the hospital, the doctors uh. that have to treat them and the people that work at the Children's Advocacy Center, you know, doing the forensics and, you know, those sorts of things. We get to watch them get better. And so that's our reward. As difficult as it is, we get to watch them get better. And when you can see a child in 15 or 16 months learn that it is possible to trust again. You know, their trauma is never going to go away. They're, they're, it's, it's never going to be forgotten. But as I said, we can give them the tools that they need to, you know, have a full and, and happy and productive life. And our clients can go back to us anytime uh, for a refresher or if they get, you know, certain triggers and they want to come back in and talk about it. Um, they can always come back in and see us. Uh, in order to talk to Bob Williams about Ranch Hand Rescue, it's ranchhandrescue.org. That's ranchhandrescue.org. How do people reach out and learn more about uh, the traffic of little boys? Uh, is there a, a special they, website to go to? Yeah, it's all the information is on our website. And, of course, we post a lot on our Facebook page, um, which is Ranch Hands Rescue. And um, I think we've got maybe 25,000 followers or 21,000 followers, something like that. And so that's building. And, of course, we update everybody on the animals and what's happening in, in human trafficking of boys and where we're at with the safe house and, you know, that sort of thing. And we just ask people to get involved with us and to get involved in their local communities to help save our kids. You know, our kids are not for sale. And so... Um, important that everybody you know stays vigilant as i like to say and helping to stop this epidemic regardless of whether it's a little boy or a little girl or a young man or a young woman you know it's all Um, tragic we just need to bring awareness to the to the boys and the young men that makes total sense bob williams thank you so much for your time today i learned a lot about a lot of different things today and you know i think you might be right maybe god picked you out to serve the people man well, thank you so much. This is a big honor for me, Tom. And Catherine, thanks so much for your kindness. And um, I wish you guys all the, the best, and I'll keep in my prayers. Well, please stay in touch, too. We'd love to talk more. All right, Bob? All right, my friend. All righty. Appreciate thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bob Williams, ladies and gentlemen, ranchhandrescue.org. See, now, there's a guy, has a stroke. Does he sit around at home and go, oh, poor me? No, he goes out and helps animals. He helps people. He helps victims. That's I love that about that guy. Isn't that great? You know, amazing. It, 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 I don't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be that close to it. But oh, I know. I I would lose I all hope, it, all hope in humanity. I just couldn't do it. I would. I would turn into the person, the vigilante that wanted to murder all the <laughs> jackasses all. that are yeah. doing this to the yeah. kids. I'd be like, I gotta find him. I gotta kill him. I, I don't know what happened, but I killed him all. With a, with a, <laughs> <laughs> Big thir- uh, 351 gone and Boom. going out and shooting people. Done. Saturday night Done. special. Yeah.
I don't know that I'd give her any ideas, thank you. But <laughs> I just seriously, I can't stand it. Was, I know. I cannot I stand what it. What was that movie that with is... uh, oh. the first one? Ah, uh, uh, Charles Bronson. Yeah, the Charles Bronson. One. What was the name of that movie? Uh, Oh, oh, yeah. What um, the hell was the name of that? I think it was Vigilante, wasn't it? No, it wasn't no. Vigilante. Uh, it was... Death Wish. Oh, what the hell was it called? Was it Death, Death, Death Wish? Wish? Yeah, it was Death Wish. Death I think it was Death Wish. Yep. Catherine could do Death Wish 3. <laughs> Death Wish 3. You're the one dying, pal. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Another segment coming up next with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Was your New Year's resolution to work out at the gym to lose weight? And now it's almost March and you haven't shed a pound? Well, do what I did. Let the coaches at Ultimate Weight Loss help you lose weight fast. With the help of Ultimate Weight Loss, I lost 41 pounds, another 42 pounds in each of my first two 40-day programs, and I didn't have to exercise. Summer will be here before you know it. So start now, look great, and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with the help of my friends at Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss, powered by Nutramost. Due to the tremendous success of their clients, they are now opening a Woodbury location. That's on March 2nd. They will then have three locations to serve you in Plymouth, Edina, and Woodbury. Starting today, live your healthiest life. Schedule an immediate consultation. Call Ultimate Weight Loss, powered by Nutramost, 763-333-7337, 763-333-7337, or go to their website, ultimatewl.com. That's ultimatewl.com. A long time ago, I can still remember that music used to make me smile. Oh, just kidding. What's happening? I'm depressed now. Yeah, well, you shouldn't I'm be depressed because be there's happy. somebody helping people. I know. Indeed. Just to, to know that it's that there's that much bad things going on. Yep. Ah. People praying, praying on defenseless people. Isn't that what you, defenseless animals, defenseless people. Let's pray on them. That's great. So it's a, such an ugly world. It, it can be, no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> I see that the city of Minneapolis has learned nothing. <laughs> uh, Why would it? That, that's an understatement. Being stupid works for them. You know, <clears throat> they're redoing Hennepin Avenue downtown Minneapolis. Why? Now, some people in Minneapolis know, uh, apparently they know what to do. The $23 million reconstruction of Hennepin Avenue in downtown Minneapolis will bring with it protected bike lanes, wider sidewalks, Ugh. better street lights <laughs> when it's finished in 2022. One thing it won't have is any public seating along the stretch from 12th Street to Washington Avenue. They don't want people sleeping on Hennepin Avenue. Yeah. That's clearly well, what this is all it's about. It's also loitering. They don't want people loitering. Yeah, right, exactly. Because it's that's part loitering. of the problem is that people sit down there all day long and they're dealing drugs mm-hmm. and then they start fighting with each other. Well, it's not, okay, you it's not illegal. The, you right. ready You ready for the big line of the entire story? Okay, I should introduce this woman first. People use benches to rest their tired legs, tie their shoes, readjust shopping bags, take off layers and more. Yeah, you don't mention sleeping and uh, thuggery and all the rest of it. 
says Julia Curran, a member of the city's pedestrian advisory committee. What the hell is that? Oh, they have a all kinds of them. A multi-million dollar. Yeah. yeah exactly. They have all kinds of them. One of Minneapolis's many committees. And, and you can't yes. get on any of them either. No? Well, no. you can't get on the pedestrian advisory committee? You can't get on any committee. You ought to be a legacy? Why not? They, they handpick certain people. You have to have a certain Mike. outlook. Mm. They wouldn't let Uncle Tom on there. They had one committee they were taking, but they were taking names for, like trying to get people on this committee. Mm-hmm. You, a million people could apply; they'd never let any of them on the committee. <laughs> oh God! Okay, you ready for the big line of the story? Yes. And I got to tell you something. If I were one of these people, I would get so sick and tired of you using me to get your point across. I'm telling you, I talked to many, many people in this situation. They are sick to death of it. Here's the big line from Ms. Kern. You ready? Yep. Mm -hmm. The concern is about poor people of color. Oh, my God. Of course. What do you mean? Not just poor people. Uh, just, not just poor people, but of they have color. to be poor people of color. Oh, of course it is. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> what a joke you are. Seriously, if I were a, a black person, a brown person, whatever, if I were a person of color, I would call them and say, would you stop using me as your figurehead? A lot of them Stop are. using my skin. You know, oh, absolutely. You know what else they're talking about doing down there right now? They're going to make businesses not have their restrooms public. Not have they're going to make them public? go public? Yep. Wait, they're going to make oh, them go public them or un-go public? No, they're going to make them go public. Oh, so you have to let the public... do that. They're gonna, the city's doing it. They're, a great idea. They're pushing you it now. You can't do that. It's, <laughs> it's their business. You can't just have people walking in, peeing in your... Once again, I'm uh, paying for my rent or my, my right, building. Right. I'm paying my property taxes, and yet you're going to tell me that somebody else can pop on in here anytime they want and use my facilities. Well, there is no How public is restrooms in the whole entire city downtown in Minneapolis. Zero. There aren't? No. Where's your public well, restroom? put them in. Show me one. <laughs> well, why don't they have them? They because don't exist. Of crime. So, because of crime, people that's be why shoot, they don't people have. be getting raped in them and shooting up in yep, them yep. and pet living yep. in them and well, everything else. Well, you think I want them. that in my restaurant or my place of business? Well, <laughs> no, but the problem the do. problem is people are now urinating on the door of the rest of your business. They urinated on oh, my door God. almost every day. It's well, this is why I moved. Um, why don't they put those things like they have in Paris where they've got those? Oh, we're own, not that it, sophisticated. It's, it's like a it's like a it's like a kiosk. Yeah, they have. I think you do have to put a quarter in or something like that. And they, and as soon as somebody gets done with it, it's it sanitizes. It was once some sort again, of spray or something. Once again, it would be people would be shooting up in it, being raped in it, being killed in it. People don't realize how bad it is in downtown Minneapolis. You don't oh, understand. It's horrible. Especially yeah. the mayor and the governor. They don't seem to get it at oh, all. Oh, the mayor doesn't get it at all. He's Well he no. gets it. He just yeah, he care. no, he actually he does get it. He's using it. There's a thing now. It's called success through failure. And, oh, and you God. succeed by destroying mm-hmm places like Minneapolis, he will get a Senate seat or something on the National Democratic yep. platform for his ways in Minneapolis. He will. He will, will actually he get it away, done. Then? Will he have to go away then? <laughs> yeah, but he'll, he'll do more harm to this whole state. Well, and another, another one will just take his place. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? I suppose that's true. They're just a bunch yeah. of bots at yeah, this point. Yeah, they are. Oh. Here's the whole paragraph. You ready for the whole paragraph? And once again, if I were a person of color, I would call and say, would you stop using me to get your point across? I'm really tired of being used because I'm a person of color. JB, The concern is about... Yeah, (laughs) there you go. 
Yeah, JB, you sleep on bus benches all the time. What the hell? Uh, the concern is about poor people of color, Curran said. There's a sense of being in public as being a bad thing if you're not within a certain demographic. What are you talking about? Projected racism. It's projected racism. That's exactly what that is, Andy. It's a very, very good point. It's actively hostile toward people of color. To even reinstall basic pedestrian infrastructure that was previously in place is all we're talking. They didn't put it back because it created a problem. We don't need problems. You know, I'm sorry. This is not a massive babysitting service. Take care of the mentally ill. Take care of the drug addicts and the rest of you. Get off your ass and get a job. How about that? See, I think there's a right? bit, I think there's something bigger going on that we don't know about. What would that be? What like like all like redoing? They 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 spent what fifty million whatever it was redoing Nicolette Mall. Did it fix anything? Zero. No. It's just as bad no. now as it, it maybe even worse. It's more desolate. People don't walk the mall like they used to after the redo. It's not the same. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you eat at one of those tables outdoor in the mall? Because I wouldn't. You can't anymore. You literally can't. Oh, they took them all out? Well, a lot of, lot of they built walls. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, what a world. So, well, this Saturday night, somebody got shot and killed inside a bar restaurant in Minneapolis. At Rouge, right? Yeah, at the lounge. And, and, and it's a shame because yeah. Brian, Brian Bells is one of the nicest guys in the world. And he's, he is, he's yep. the, one I of agree. the longest running bars in the city of Minneapolis. 19 years. Um, God. But yeah, that's that's what Minneapolis is now. Just it's just what it is. It's it's what it's become. It is. So, but you know, it's all across the United States too. It's everywhere now. It's just disgusting. It's in a lot of major cities. It is no doubt about it. I, I just don't understand why it is that just because you're homeless, you're a victim. Again, if you've got a drug problem or if you've got mental illness, I understand you need help. No doubt about it. The rest of you, you, you don't need anybody's help. You just don't want to do a damn thing. You, you just want to sit around your ass and do nothing. We're getting a little tired of it, aren't you? Yeah, it's, well, it's, I think the homeless problem is multifaceted. Yeah, it is. I actually and saw, I caught, I caught a little bit of a, of a documentary on when was about when all the mental health facilities got closed down Mm -hmm. and the numbers actually of prisons went up at the was going up at the same time and it's the same Mm -hmm. it actually came out to the exact number of people that left health facilities went to prisons (laughs) i mean mentally ill people do commit crimes at a greater rate i mean it's not necessarily their fault but they still do it we can't do something about it yeah Yep. It's a very yep. complex problem. It's a very complex problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, the only the only way to solve it is you're going to have to take away somebody's uh, perceived rights. Yep. You're going to have to yeah. say, you know what, you are just too ill to be on the streets. Yep. We're Somebody, going to have to take you away yeah, and, if and it's help legal, you somehow. If we have no problem arresting and imprisoning people, then why would sending someone involuntarily to a mental hospital be that much worse of a thing well mental hospitals cost a lot more money than prisons mm. and because you have to pay a doctor yeah um the 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 well but people act like you know you can't have involuntary psych holds that's illegal you can't take people away from their homes but you can arrest people for doing something bad well but you can't bring someone to a mental right. hospital for having something wrong with them, even though it's basically the same idea. Well, you get you can get a 72-hour hold. That's about all you're going to get. 
And only if you say something like, I'm going to harm myself right. or two, others. Or two family right. members. If, right. two, if, if yeah. Catherine and you, Andy, called about Tom... You could get oh, him so I get to be the <laughs> mentally ill one. You could get him now Baker you tell acted. Us. You can get him Baker acted for seventy two hours. Mm-hmm. But if two family members, if you're schizophrenic, though, seventy two hours is what's not, that going to do? Nothing. Yeah. Not going to do nothing. Andy, Andy, give me a call tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to institutionalize Tommy boy. Thanks every for every this. Friday, I get to put you away yeah, for a call, week. Call every Friday, have <laughs> Baker acted. Oh. Send us some peace. You're mean to me. <laughs> you're very mean to me. I'd like to point that out. Yeah, the Baker Act's been gentlemen. around for a long time. It's two family members. If they have concerns that you're going to hurt yourself or someone else, they can have you yeah. put away for 72 hours. But it's only 72 hours. hours. Yep. Uh, Catherine in L.A., Nick and Andy already heard this, but Catherine in L.A., Ralph Basham pointed out yesterday on this show, there are several medical and health care businesses in the state of Minnesota that make over a trillion dollars a year. Ain't that a crime? Wow. That is a trillion crime. dollars a, a year. Crime. It's a crime. How do you live with yourself? I, mean, I don't know. There's a lot of loopholes in the state of Minnesota. Oh God, it's just—it's so disgusting. It really People is. People are suffering, and you're making billions of dollars. Yep. Off their suffering, you disgusting pig. It's—it's it's a crazy world. It is a crazy world. There's no getting around it. I don't know. I just, uh, like I said, I, I, what I'm going to do the rest of my day is walk around like all these you know, newspapers and TV stations do and try to figure out how I can use people of color to make money. That's what I'm going to do the hey, rest of the day. Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> yeah, apparently everybody else is doing it. Seriously, if I were black or brown or whatever, I would be so pissed off about reading that I couldn't even tell you. Oh, we have to protect people who can't. You're basically saying people of color can't protect themselves. That's what you're saying. Well, what is the what is the um, percentage of minority people that are so illiterate and and unemployed and so pathetic that we need to take care of all you know them yeah, I know. and their every thought, their every need? It's ridiculous. In the minority, you know what I'm saying? I mean, how many? Black people need this crap. It's a What's pretty a small question? percentage. Exactly. So it it's not. It, it's it's a stupid way of dealing with it. I don't know what to tell you. It's just it's very very frustrating. That's all I know. Because if this is not about helping people, this is about using people more it, it, than it, it, anything listen, else. It's all about it's it's all about one thing. It's all about profit. Yeah, that's period. what it's all just about. Period. You're absolutely it's about right. profit. Yep, you're right. God, it's so sad that you it, just can't do your job. Even even the redo on. of Hennepin is about somebody making money. Well, it's sure not it's about true. that Hennepin yeah. needed to be redone. It's somebody needed to wanted to make five million dollars because that's probably what the profit <sighs> is on it. Well, there's a all all the way all across the United States of America, all of these great plans to. Um, Reduce cars and reduce this and reduce that. There, it, it's all an ar- everything is an architectural problem, you know. Everything, <laughs> yeah. of course. Pollution, homelessness, everything's an architectural problem. So, <laughs> that there's going to be a lot of tax money spent on building stuff. And and if they don't use the money, they don't get it the next time. So they right. they, they use right. every That's penny. True. That is true. All right, well, I'm going to go cry into my pillow. Me too, man. This is a depressing day. I was happy. I was happy when I got here. 
<laughs> Me well, too. Well, I, I think anytime you're going to talk about some topics like, uh, you know, yeah. sex slavery and yeah, all that kind of stuff, sex trafficking, that's what makes this show interesting to listen to. Yeah, well, you never know cool. what you're going to get. Gonna, it's not going to make you feel happy, though. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> People are such cowards that they're afraid to address the the, uh, the issue head on. So if you say things like stop using people of color to get your, your message across, it's not their job to be used, then you're a bad person. Yeah, it, it, that. that all depends where you're at, too. Like if you said that in certain states, it's fine, but you couldn't say it in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, no, Minneapolis. Oh. We know what Just like we're you doing. Can't even we're, talk about, we're saying it in Minneapolis. You yeah, can't even talk about the rape issue in Minneapolis, which are, is one of the highest cities that the rape rate's going up. Oh, no, no feminists are mad about this. No, no women's God. groups Not are marching Minneapolis. about this. No, Not one. No, no. Can't no. take it. All right, I'm going to go cover my head with a pillow. and <laughs> See you guys. Cry.